0: It's Thursday, and it is September 20th, the year 2018. And I'm Scott Bass, along with David Lee Scales. We're here to give you a dose of spit.
1: Scott, uh, it's late in the day for us, man. I
0: know. It's It's my nap time.
1: (laughs) It's unusual. It's kind of nice, though, right? I mean, I like working in the morning, but... I mean, so... I am used to working in the morning, certainly doing this thing, but it was nice to actually get a surf in, get work done. I feel like um, normally there's an impending doom of the day when we're recording that obligations that I'm going to have to honor. And now I feel like I've checked everything off the box for the day, for the most part, and I can just kind of settle in here and I'm not going to rush off at the end of the show. So I feel good about it.
0: That's funny because I have a hard out. (laughs) Do you really? (laughs) No, I mean 2.30.
1: Okay, that's good. So for the listeners, that gives us a... 70 minutes, 80 minutes. Yeah, Um, We're back at Shaq.
0: Yeah, we are back at Shaq. And in fact, the good people at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center here in San Clemente asked me to promote one of their events. So, of course, I'm going to do that. Let me see here. It is. They have a Joe Quig exhibit. And the soft opening is Saturday, September 26th. And the official celebration on Saturday, October 6th. So, if you want to co-mingle with the Joe Quigg fans of the world, you'd want to be here on on October 6th from 6 to 9. That's when the official celebration takes place, but the uh, Joe Quigg exhibit, soft opening September 26th. So, that's what you're going to be able to check out is All Things Joe Quigg, who was an incredible guy, a guy who field didn't deserve, or didn't get, I should say, did not receive the uh, accolades and The do, uh, the surfboard building, the design building um, accolades that he was uh, that were that was that he deserved. So um, anyway, Joe Quig is an interesting character. There's a great article in one of the Surfers Journals. It's an interview with him actually. Pesman does an interview with Joe Quig. It's probably ten years old, but if you can hunt it down, he kind of breaks down. Uh, Quig kind of breaks down where he feels like he got sort of a bum rap or not a bum rap. He just didn't get the credit that he felt was his because, you know, there's a, a lot of people bow down to Bob Simmons and perhaps rightly so. I'm certainly not here to take uh, an opinion either way, but um, many more or many still would suggest to you that Joe Quigg deserves uh, a lot of the credit from that era as well.
1: I think of him in high regard. I'm wondering what the misstep was. Was it that he just didn't, I hate to use this term, but like brand himself. I know he was building boards, but he don't, I don't think of him as having like a board brand, you know? Um, and therefore you're a note in the history books, but you don't kind of permeate the culture. Yeah, that's probably
0: some of it. You know, he, he moved to Hawaii probably in the sixties and, um, and, and, even to this day in Hawaii, like if you go to the Outrigger Canoe Club, Joe's, and he's still alive and he's there with his wife a lot. And Joe's, um, you know, Joe, Joe's um, held an extremely high regard there and he's a, quite the gentleman and a nice nice man. But you're right, maybe moving to Hawaii um, and just sort of doing his own thing and sort of being in that bubble that is the South Shore, um, you know, it didn't kind of feed over here into the West Coast the way that, other brands blew up, and say sixty six. You know, like every California longboard Hobie. brand, Hobie, yeah. or something, yeah. being Hobie, Dewey, all of those. Greg Knoll. So, but again, that was a generation ahead of him. I mean, Quig was forties uh, and fifties.
1: Right. Interesting. So, will Quig be here? I'm wondering. Well,
0: I'm sure he will. I don't know. We'd have to ask Barry. But it's a
1: pretty good. Get. I would be surprised if he wasn't. It's a good get, man.
0: And of course, Quig had a factory in Newport Beach. You know. Um, right there, um, right along the beachfront there, uh, there's a little coffee store there now. Um, I forget the street it's on, but it's... Oh,
1: yeah, va- Vacancy is the coffee shop now, right? It's yeah. Peter Pete Town uh, Peter Townen. I always forget Townsend. Who's, which one's P- Peter Townsend? P-T? And which one's, yeah, it's PT. You P- know, there's Pete Townsend from The Who, right? Right, right. And then Peter Townen is right, the surfer. Right. So I always accidentally, I think, exchanged those. Anyways, PT owns Vacancy? PT's son. Shop? Oh. Jai. Oh, okay. Owns vacancy. Is coffee. it
0: the one that's been there forever, but now it's got a new name or something? Like this one was like this one's like a coffee shop and a and a breakfast place. Like you can get
1: breakfast. Okay. We're talking about different things. Yeah. Anyway,
0: that's where Joe Quigg's old factory used to be. And um, retail outlet.
1: Awesome. Well Shack, anybody who wants to be involved in that Shack uh, we call it Shack. It's S H A C C Surfing Heritage and Culture Center dot is the website. They're the Smithsonian of Surfing uh scott yeah uh i'll cut this if the answer is no are we allowed to talk about your trip sure okay good 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 so a couple of things last time i saw you was at surf ranch so we have lots of that to catch up on i'm wondering how exhausted people are of talking about wave pools at this point um you know what what
0: should i chime in on some joe quig history real quick yeah i just pulled some up yeah yeah just to give the listeners a sense of who quig was
1: Give Shaq the proper uh, intro to their exhibit.
0: Uh, Joe Quig, virtuoso surfboard designer and craftsman, originally from Santa Monica, and co-founder of both the Modern Longboard and the Specialized Big Wave Board, and credited by many as the most influential mid-century board maker. See, so that's, I think, where um, some people don't recognize Quig the way that they would recognize, say, um, Others from that area, like Velzy, basically. And um,
1: anyway. Quig, this is from Encyclopedia of yeah, Surfing. Yeah,
0: Encyclopedia of Surfing, yeah. Quig was born in 25, raised in Santa Monica, began surfing at age four, and built a little bellyboard for himself. By age 13, he had made a redwood surfboard with a slightly upturned nose and tail sections. So what we have here, right, David, is the first incarnation of Rocker. Uh, which allowed for greater maneuverability and made the board more forgiving in tight places, the solid wood plank boards in use at this time, as well as the hollow paddleboard surfboards were flat from bow to stern. So Quig introduced Rocker, considered perhaps the greatest contribution to surfboard design. It's funny, when I was on my trip, I was hanging out with Pat Taylor, legendary shaper from Santa Cruz, and he told me that, you know, we had a great talk, and he's like, I think Rocker's probably the single most important thing. Really? And that can be traced to Joe Quig.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, I'll skip ahead a little bit. There's a lot to read here.
1: I didn't know Pat was on that trip. Yeah. was he? I didn't see him posting photos. In
0: 1947, Quigg built a balsa redwood board for Daryl and Zanuck, of course, a beginning teenage surfer and the daughter of Hollywood mogul Daryl Zanuck. This board was thinner and lighter than anything yet seen, the 25-pound... Darlin' board, as it was called, got passed from one Malibu surfer to the next as the hottest turning board on the beach. Again, 1947. And thus became a prototype for the popular Malibu chip board. And that same year, along with Malibu icon Bob Simmons, Quig, excuse me, Quig built in succession some of the first polyurethane foam core boards. So this is where there's some contention, I think, is that Simmons gets a lot of credit for being the first guy with a polyurethane foam board, and Simmons is like, "Dude, I did that before." Or, I mean, Quigg is like, "I did that before Bob Simmons." Um, each of these ideas, both Simmons and Quiggs, would be, of course, the standard for years to come. In 48, after dreaming of a board fast enough to make away from the top of the point at Rincon, uh, Quigg cut his board in half longitudinally removed two inches, reducing the board's width from 23, so he cut it the length of the board in half, removed two inches, glued it back together, and created the first pintail board designed to hold traction at higher speeds, so he narrowed up the board. Quigg's pintail was a forerunner of the big wave board, so that's another thing that Quig gets uh, credit for, is sort of the first big wave gun based on this board. He made boards for Tom Zahn in the late 40s and 50s, and Zahn, of course, one of Malba's best riders, along with Matt Kivlin and Les Williams. And for pioneering big wave surfer Buzzy Trent in the mid-50s. When Trent ordered a 12-foot big wave board from Quig, he memorably asked the shaper to build him an elephant gun to be used for hunting down giant waves. Big wave boards have since been known as guns. So Joe Quig, builder of the first elephant gun. Awesome. Sorry, I'm taking a sip of my tea there. It's all good. Can you tell I got a little bit of a cold?
1: I can, actually.
0: Whoever uses this mic next is going to be bummed. Um, Quig founded a production retail surfboard shop in Santa Monica in the 50s, then opened a shop in Honolulu in 53. Um, let's see. Quig lived in Newport Beach from 59 to 69, where he had that shop that you and I were talking about. Joe Quigg moved back to Hawaii, built boats, canoes, paddle boards. He built a bunch of stuff. He's one of these tinkering builder type guys. Did a lot of stuff on outriggers. Like like this just barely touches the tip of what Joe Quigg did, especially with canoes. He was a big canoe builder. Um, Anyway, he was inducted into the Surfing Hall of Fame in 91. So Joe Quigg exhibit here at Shaq. And hopefully that gives you a little sense of who Joe Quigg is
1: and a cool guy. Remember we were talking a lot uh, about grovelers and trying to define them. I got a listener email from Connor who said, I wanted to give you some insights into the origin of the groveler as a kid, just coming up in the comp scene in the very, in the very late eighties and nineties, redhead, new South Wales, Australia. I remember being coached by some of the older crew at a state event. The waves were tiny and they were telling me that I needed to grovel for the to the judges for a score. So it's about groveling to the judges is what it's about. He said uh something I had never been good at. My preference is to gain all the speed that I can get off the bottom, put it into a big turn in the most critical part of the wave. Groveling is the opposite of that. My big turn would give the judges of the time only one maneuver to judge on, while somebody who would grovel would be able to put together 3 to 4 smaller turns in that same amount of time. At this time, we were still riding normal boards. But we were being taught to grovel. The first time I saw a groveler board was at one of these events. The guy was on. The guy was one of the top competitive surfers at the time in our state. And he was the first to ride one of these boards. It had minimal rocker and a slightly wider nose and tail. It would have been an inch or two shorter and maybe half an inch wider than my standard shorty of the time. I think it was a swallowtail, but definitely not a fish. I think it would have been 1989 or 1990. He went on to win that event by floating tiny sections and banking off foamy closeouts three or four minor turns while his competitors were trying we're busy trying to get enough speed for only one. End quote. So that's from Connor. We obviously are fully aware of like what groveling is. The one kind of detail here that he identifies as being different is that you're it's something, it's an act of something to the judges. You know, you're I groveling think to the judges. That's
0: very interesting. I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of truth to that. When you look back at the judging criteria in Australia, um, especially in Michael Peterson's time it was literally points for maneuver. So if you did one maneuver that was just an insane rail hack, just incredible, or you did 10 grovel turns, you got more points for the 10 grovel turns. And you can see Michael Peterson employing this strategy at Bells, where he would just go and do a bunch of little kind of like check turns. And he would. that's one of the reasons why he, he was so dominant competitively. He was untouchable for you know maybe four or five years. Probably like seventy-one to seventy-five or something, and it was because he was adept at picking up the strategy and groveling to the judges, as your friend said.
1: There, yeah. Listener, awesome. Uh, So I've got another email. I know we were going to read Fat Aki's email. Got
0: to read Fat Aki. Fat Aki's coming up. Stay tuned for Fat Aki. Let's
1: do that going into the wave pool conversation. Sure. I want to hear about Mexico.
0: Okay, yeah, so Very I nice score. we did score. We got some back-to-back big swells that, that rampaged through all of mainland Mexico and even up to here, I'm yeah. sure. And so, yeah, I got back last um, a couple days ago. That's why I have an illness. And the waves are pumping. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you want to hear, but I mean, I went to Sinaloa, right, which is um, in mainland north of Mazatlan. It's a private surf camp. You pay... I was invited to go with a group of guys that go every year at the same time, the same time frame. I flew out of Tijuana, so we parked oh. uh, on this side of the border and used that CBX crossing.
1: How did that work out for you?
0: <coughs> yeah, I do it all the time. There's no problem. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm a big fan.
1: And flights are cheaper, right? Way cheaper. TJ? 150 round trip. Amazing. Yeah. To What, what airline? Volaris. Is it
0: Volaris
1: safe? Volaris. Whoa. it safe and legit? I'm here. I'm here before you. I mean, the plane landed, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's totally legit. Okay, cool. Um, So, yeah. I I mean, you posted a couple photos. You guys were scoring well overhead, kind of thumping, barreling lefts.
0: Yeah, it's a sand bottom point that up at the top, it heaves a mean barrel, like, into some really shallow sand. And then it runs for 900 yards.
1: No way. Yeah. Longer than KS's wave. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Super long really stupid long really
1: exhaustingly and, like could you even
0: well we would get boat rides back to the top of the no point way. the one main characteristic of this place is the current the current and any all the people that have surfed there know this the current's brutal it's not so bad halfway down the point but at the top where the really meaty section is it's just super fast so you're basically you're on a treadmill the entire time you're in the water there's not There's very rarely a time when you get to sit on your board and like talk to your buddy about how great your last wave was. You know what I mean? You're just going.
1: And is it sucking you around the point, like beyond the point?
0: No, it takes you down the point. Gotcha. So you're constantly struggling to stay in position. The boat drops you off at the top, and you sort of drift into position, and you hope that a set's coming right then. And if not, then you're on the treadmill just trying to stay in your spot. And, um, and, you know, it's doable. It's doable, but it's... It's a completely radical workout. Like I'm sure we paddled every day. We
1: probably paddled four or five miles. What's your, how's your fitness level right now? Did you, right now it's pretty good after the trip. It's good. But when you were out there, did you feel like you were in shape to do it?
0: Yeah, probably like the last two days is when I started to feel like I could get a second wind, you know, because you're there early in the morning and you go until around noon and then by then it's blown out. So the last two hours of every session are kind of gnarly, but the last two days I was I felt a second wind. I was like, "This is let's you know." You would go to the boat, take eat a sandwich, drink some water, chill out for twenty minutes, and then go back. Right. But I'm feeling I'm feeling in pretty good shape right now, although I'm ill.
1: Good, good, good for you. Um, What were you mainly riding?
0: I rode three boards. I rode um, the XTR uh, that Javier made me a 6.0 round pin with a concave deck, no stringer Kevlar in the middle, <laughs> super killer board, super uh, lively and um, springy and just likes to go where you want, you know, it goes everywhere you want to go. You know,
1: what does that concave deck do for you?
0: Um, That's a good question. I mean, I guess it makes me feel a little bit more in the board, so to speak. Yeah. You know, um, it's a neat feeling. It's definitely noticeable. And I liked it. I have never. I don't had, dislike it.
1: I've never had one, but I've heard that come up a couple of times. And if not a concave deck, just talking about once you build your footwells kind of dig into the board, how the board then feels more at home, you know, or just somehow you have a harmony with the board once you get those footwells in it. And I think it might be just being closer to the water, you know, your feet are closer to the water than the deck of the board is or the rest of the board is. And you could just kind of dig in.
0: It's an interesting thing, right? Because when you think about it, at so, at some point there's um, a loss of return. There's a loss of... Because if you get too low, and the, if you're here and the rail's here, you've now got to tip the rail into... Sure. You know, so And if you're
1: on top of the rail, it's easier to tip the rail.
0: So I'm not sure I'm making sense to the listener because I'm doing hand maneuvers but if, to David. But, but if
1: it's two and, a, two and a half inch thick board, that's not a lot of... Take, uh, you're right. Concaving it down half an inch or a quarter of an inch is a large percentage proportionally.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, and that's kind of what it is. It's it's a very minimal concave, but it's noticeable, and it's also obviously it's it's sort of slight and rolled. It's not just like some big step, right. you know. Right. Um, but I dig it, and I also um, I also really love my new Lost that Matt made me. Matt made me this. It's the model is called El Patron. I don't think it's out yet. But it's going to be out. And if you're a middle-aged surfer that wants to get his WCT on, this is the board for you. It's it's a killer board. I rode it on the smaller days and absolutely loved it.
1: Looked like that's the one you had a couple of photos on. Yeah. Were those just iPhone photos or was somebody shooting? No,
0: those are photos from a a real camera.
1: One of the guys on the trip? The
0: the boat guy, like the Mexican boat guy. His name's Israel. He's a great guy. Uh, he's busy, you know. He's running the Zodiac around, pulling the camera out, so not every shot's super sharp because he's kind of got his hands full. But yeah. he's very diligent, you know. Cool. And so, and then the board that I rode when it was Mac Daddy, which was probably three of the six days, was the Ross and Impala, the six-six Pat Ross and Impala, three fin.
1: You love that thing,
0: yeah. So all three boards worked great, and um, it was just it was an incredible trip. It was just one of those trips where it was like. Dude, really? It was like, you know, Groundhog's Day. Just every morning we'd wake up and it would be just, you know, four to six with eight-foot sets or six to eight with ten-foot sets. It was just nonstop. It was mental. It was one of the best surf trips I've been on.
1: How shack did you get? Did you get a couple that you're like in the memory bank for a long time? Um
0: that one hook turn under the lip I is very memorable because I just remember doing the turn and going,
1: God, that was sick.
0: Like, that's like something I would have done when I was 20, not when I was 50, you know?
1: And what are the odds that he actually got the fuck I was blown away.
0: No, I was totally blown away. I didn't even expect that. That yeah. was just like a, a, you know, ego boost. But yeah. it was an it was an incredible trip and um, just, yeah. Good I mean, for you, man. Yeah. And I know all of Mainland was going off the Richter. I mean, that was those were two back-to-back solid swells so you know guys are getting pitted down in colima and down in oaxaca and all around i'm sure cabo was epic and everywhere
1: and you guys didn't strike mission it you had the trip planned already in advance right yeah just aligned perfectly with the swell
0: yeah and, and and it was a cool crew of guys um like i said pat taylor was on the trip and um some charger guys, Sean Jappy, who just absolutely charges, goofy foot. And my friends, Jimmy, who who charged. All the guys were charging. So it was just a lot of fun, you know.
1: So you, you do that full marathon session in the morning. Um, you said it gets windy in the afternoon. Is there somewhere to surf in the afternoon or are you just resting? No.
0: The afternoon you come home, you eat lunch, you do a little bit of email, follow up or whatever, take a long nap, wake up. Roam around the compound, maybe play gin rummy or shoot pool, eat dinner, and then you pass out and you're up at 5, like yeah, doing yoga, getting your body ready to, to go to battle because it was like battle, dude. Totally. And the tube there, so the main tube up, up the top can dredge out and be pretty round. It's just hard to find it. Um, the Because of the current, to stay in position when it comes in, and also because it's it's so mean that backside, I found that it's one of those ones that just goes bleh, like it just kind of goes square. So I found backside that I had to go to the bottom. I couldn't pig dog from the takeoff like you could on sort of an almondy wave, you know? So I would go to the bottom. By the time I went around, did my bottom turn and snapped under it, it was kind of over. That, that section of the tube was over. But Sean and Jimmy, those guys got some backdoor ones. They got some dark backdoor caves up there. And... But the so regarding your question about tubes the tube then the rest of the way down the point the tubes sort of almondy so I would pull into some tubes and then they would kind of crash me crush on me a little bit as I rode down the, the line a little
1: right still get the vision though yeah just don't get blown out right um, epic and you have surgery tomorrow
0: um, no actually surgery on Tuesday okay yeah I'm having it, uh, my ear drilled exotosis
1: exotosis yes so this is swimmers not swimmers here it's the bone growth the calcium growth that we're all familiar with that surfers have to contend with surfers here is what i was going to say
0: yeah
1: um and the reason why i wanted to ask you about it on air is it's come up over the years i think donald brink at some point was like dude you should have a doctor on to talk about that because it is a uh, haunting presence in our life like we all kind of know we're going to have to do it i'm hoping that by the time I need to do it, there's some new technology that isn't as invasive as what's been in the past. So I don't know what you're going to have done. And is it is it just drilling the yeah, hole in your ear I'm under, out of the water forever?
0: Yeah, the, I've had it done before. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. So interestingly, what you'll find with most surfers in California is it's their right ear. Because the right ear receives the north wind and the north cold. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've never had the left ear done. I've only had the right ear done. And I've had it done one time. And now the right ear is again 98% closed. The left ear is like 40% closed. And I've never had the. So, and that's what the doctor tells me. He goes, Oh, yeah, it's always the right ear with you guys, you know. And so he's going to. The first time I had it done, they flapped it open. Ugh. They cut behind it and they flap it open and then they go in there. And, but this time he's going straight in, which means he has to remove a bunch of skin up in, in the top part of my ear canal. Um, and then. Basically, I think he chisels it, but there might be a laser involved too. I'm trying to, I that's a good question. I'm not sure. I want to say it's a chisel, but I could be wrong.
1: How painful is it?
0: It was pretty painful actually, as I recall last time.
1: Are you completely um, under anesthesia? Like are you yeah. asleep through the? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's a general- so the pain is once you wake up.
0: Yeah. The pain is once you wake up. Yeah. And
1: how long are you out of the water for?
0: Two weeks, two or three weeks. Um, that's the beauty of this version of the surgery. The flap version takes six weeks to heal.
1: That's what I remember here.
0: This version only takes two or three weeks, depending on how fast the skin will regrow around the bone that they had to cut the skin away from the bone to, to kind of get access. Um, and so you just got to keep your ear packed with cloth and keep the antiseptic on it or keep the, you know, the antibiotic on it or whatever. And then when the skin grows and is firmly grown back, then you're good to go. It's really just a matter of when the skin can grow back over the, the bone of the outer ear canal.
1: And do you have noticeably better hearing after the surgery?
0: Well, I, what? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, you've I done mean, it before.
1: Last time I, I think I
0: do remember hearing better. Yes. How long ago is that? A while ago, probably 10 years ago.
1: Brutal dude. Uh, I bet our, you know, there, I know the listener of the show, Magnus has, uh, product called surf ears yes that tom carroll's affiliated with and uh he's emailed in the past i bet he's shouting into his speakers right now saying you need to wear his product didn't he send us his product yeah 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 yeah. what was it again remind Uh, me surf ears there's a 2.0 version yeah earplugs earplugs oh oh, yeah yeah yeah. keep the water out and you can hear through you know no Um, you know
0: what those are great i apologize i i'm pretty sloth like when it comes or I'm just lazy, me I too. guess. I just never put earplugs in. And me I, too. There was a period of time when I did do it, and and I just got you know, it's like you forget them once, and then you just I don't know. Yeah, it's know. hard enough for me to wax my board. To let I off, totally agree. Let I have off. a
1: brand new board, and it's like I don't even want to wax. Like the reason I haven't ridden it, I don't want to go through the ten minutes of waxing it up. You
0: know, <laughs> but we are sl- we are lazy together.
1: Um, it's true though, but. The point is you can avoid surgeries like there are preventative measures, you know. My yeah. follow up question should have been, what preventative measures can you take, Scott, to prevent this from ever happening? Well I'll that's tell you what, one of them. A know?
0: hood, you know, yeah. A, a hood in the wintertime. Yep. And those those earplugs that Magnus, is it Magnus? Yeah. That Magnus has, those are a great idea and they sh- that should be done. You should do that.
1: So but. the hood the it, this mainly happens because of cold, correct? Right cold
0: yeah it's mostly about the cold the gotcha. ear the, the the natural you know evolution or whatever just goes oh it's cold let's close this up you know
1: yeah. brutal well uh all right scott i think we're caught up on your ear <clears throat> and your mexico thing does that mean Aki fat Aki's email we talk about wave pools next or what do you want to do yeah
0: but i do want to do a shout out to the um, boardroom podcast i did with javier which i've been listening to i think it's actually kind of fascinating <laughs> you <didn't laughs> Wait, like so, it?
1: no, i'm not laughing at that You've been listening to your conversation with Javier. Yeah, because I,
0: I hadn't listened to it since I did it. And I've been listening. I listened to it on the ride up. And there's actually some interesting, it's kind of fascinating, the 30-year process of kind of perfecting um, XTR and, and epoxy resin application and all of the dramas that came with it, the yellowing, the venting the um, the delamination the getting the retailers to agree to it uh, the price point being higher uh, getting a, a machine to cut the foam right without the foam melting it's all kind of an interesting journey that Javier's taken and he just kind of every time a new problem would crop up he would you know address it head on and and I kind of I I, I think Javier's sort of like the American dream you know like totally here's this guy from Lima Peru that just decided he was going to you know love surfing was going to build surfboards and he's you know he's he's hit every little like i say every hurdle that you could hit and he's overcome them so I
1: love his story about um paying his rent like he had 500 bucks in his bank account that was it not enough money for food or anything beyond that and that's how much the price was for it sounds like the building he's still in today right yep, same yeah same building so he goes and he pays rent, the 500 bucks and he's just like, all right, I'm going to get into this business. I'm going to start a business. Could not sleep at night knowing that he didn't have money for food the next day. So woke up, went back to the landlord, asked for his money back, was like, hey, man, I cannot do this. I'm sorry. Give me my money back, please. The guy was reticent but ultimately gave him his money back. He went back to bed that night and just thought – oh my gosh, I just gave up my dream. My dream was to have this surfboard factory and now I can't have it. I just gave up. What am I doing? So he went back the next day and bought the, re the lease basically. Yeah, they, it's a good, he, he's,
0: he's a great it's guy. Fast. He's a fun guy to talk with. And uh, anyway, that's the Boredroom Podcast. So you can check that out Podcast. Um, on iTunes or at surfsplunder.com. Yeah. Uh, Surfsplunderpodcast.com.
1: You should check out the comments section on there, by the way. People have been really, um, oh, really? glowing oh. about That episode. I think people are saying that's like their favorite episode. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Um, We should also, since we're doing shout outs, we should thank some of our sponsors that make this show possible,
0: Scott. Okay. Well, let me just say that I wore my Neat Essentials, my board shorts, the entire trip. That's all I wore was my Neat Essentials board shorts. I used my Neat Essential wet dry bag, which is a friggin' mandatory if you're going to be on a boat every day. If nothing else, just you can put your backpack on the bottom of the boat and know it's not going to get wet. Yeah. Um, and then guys that had cameras were like, hey, can I use your wet dry bag? I'm like, yeah, sure, you know. And then I also had those those shorts that they make that are like walking shorts, but they're also board shorts, the combo I have, shorts. I don't have them. You don't? No. Oh, you, well. I
1: feel like you've told me about it in the past. Thank you, you, Rob. I don't have them yet. Yeah.
0: So anyway, I'm all about the neat essentials. And of course, it was sunny as shit down there and in, in my, my uh, spy optics
1: keeping you safe yeah so by the way for the listeners um that dry bag will be back in stock in november somebody because you talked about it on the show somebody looked for it on their website couldn't find it then emailed me and it's like hey how can i get one of those bags rob reached out and said he's got a ton of them on order and they're coming in november so oh
0: good because um, guys on my trip were i was like dude i'll hook you up don't perfect. worry here's the website and
1: yeah so. not only that like I hate to even say that the product is uh, inexpensive because I don't want to no, diminish no, it, it. It's not, but it's.
0: I mean, it's not that. It's
1: high quality. It's like that. That <clears throat> bag is on par with the three hundred plus dollar bags you can get from some of these large brands, and uh, it's not that expensive.
0: You know what? There's a movement in the golf industry a little bit, especially with golf balls, where all the guys that worked for the main golf ball company, Tidalist, or maybe TaylorMade, they. They were the engineers behind this great golf balls and they just broke off, did their own thing and they're selling direct online and it's the same quality golf ball for way less. And that's kind of the great, that's sort of the good analogy for neat essentials. It's It's all the, all the good stuff without the marketing fluff.
1: That's exactly what the name is. Yeah. And that's the era that we're in. I was telling a listener through email, I was like, we need a neat essentials for cars, for food, for hotels, like for all of it, you know? Just I'm thinking
0: about a Tesla.
1: Thinking, you seen, you're just thinking about them? Thinking about getting a Tesla. Are you really not an
0: expense They have this this Model Three. Have you seen yeah. this Model Three? Yeah. I think it retails for like forty five thousand bucks.
1: It's shockingly well priced.
0: And what's really cool about it, right, is you get the seventy five hundred dollars federal tax credit. Did you know that? No. And you get a twenty seven hundred dollars state tax credit. So you basically get ten grand off through so your 30, taxes.
1: Thirty five k. Okay.
0: Yeah, and there's no gas. There's vir- virtually no electricity. You can plug in for free. All these places around here, especially right. in California, right? And the, I think the resale value is really high. like they're hard to get. Yeah, there's a three month waiting period. Yeah. So when you add it all up, the forty five grand starts all of a sudden becomes like thirty grand,
1: which look at prices of cars nowadays, like a Ford Explorer is 45 grand, you know, know. like they're ridiculously expensive. I know. So yeah, that does look like a value proposition at a certain point. Did you see Elon Musk on um, Joe Rogan's podcast? I did smoking a joint. Funny, dude. So So my friend has
0: a theory about that. Tell me is that because Elon Musk is super smart. Everyone's like, this guy's super smart. Like he didn't just do that on purpose. So his whole thing is Elon Musk is going around trying to get the price Way down the stock price, way down. So he's going around being a jerk. Like, didn't he do something jerky before this recently? I'm not sure. And so he smoked some uh, some weed. So he's trying to get people to go. Oh fuck, man! I'm getting out he's of this losing. stock because he wants to privatize the stock again. That's one thing he does want to do. That they're actually the SEC is looking into it. So he wants to privatize the company again. To do that, he wants to get the stock down enough so he can buy enough of it to own the company and go. Oh, we're going private.
1: That's a fascinating theory. It's, it's, I don't disagree. It makes sense. It does make sense. I don't disagree. I just loved. I listened to the whole episode. I was driving back, actually, from Surf Ranch, and um, it was so funny the way Joe, first of all, smokes on the show occasionally. Yeah, and so he just lights up organically and then presents it to Elon, and Elon's like, "What is that? Is that a tobacco?" It's pretty it, casual. He was super casual. He's like, "Is that a tobacco?" And <laughs> Joe's like, "Well, it's marijuana wrapped in tobacco." You know, they call it a blunt, I think is what he says. And then Elon's like, and then he's like, here, would you like some, Elon? And he's like, have you ever tried it? Uh, I, I think I might have tried it once. Well, if <laughs> you want some, I guess I'll give it a shot. You know, Elon's playing so coy. It's so funny. I love the whole interaction. Yeah, it was good for at, sure. At any rate, um, you mentioned it, but I need to really drive it home. Spy.
0: I need other to get sponsor. some Spies.
1: I'll hook you up. I'll get you. Uh, I need to
0: get some prescription Spies because I have the normal ones, but I wear. I can barely see. Like, it's hard. So,
1: so Spy supports this show, and they've been supporters um, since we first brought on advertisers. So, spyoptic.com. Check them out. Anybody who needs... Everybody's going to need either sunglasses, prescription glasses, or snow goggles at some point. Don't break your bank and go out and support the show just for the heck of it. But when you need that thing... Look at spyoptic.com. They have everything. They're really well made. And, uh, of course, the happy lens. And uh, use the promo code podcast and you get hooked with a free, with a free, t- free, t- free t-shirts, t- 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 the show. So spyoptic.com promo code podcast. All right, Scott, uh, do we want to revisit Sir French with Fat Hockey's email?
0: I guess so. Yes, we haven't.
1: Yes, let's do that for sure. It's the last time I saw you, so we should yeah. touch on it. Yeah. So you want me to read or do you want to?
0: Oh, uh, go ahead, please.
1: Fat Aki's email. And by the way, he's chimed in before and uh, always has fast. Fat Aki needs his own podcast. He the guy's, does. The
0: guy's he brilliant. Does. Or he and needs I, to be a writer.
1: Quote, my thoughts on the wave pool are nothing original <laughs> or inspiring. I watched the whole event. Julian gets the Matt Archibald Award for going giant in a heat, regardless of the consequence. It was the highlight of the event for me. I was on the edge of my chair yelling at my monitor as he fell. I really don't care that he didn't win. In retrospect, I don't really care about the pool contest at all. Four minutes and 11 seconds of watching Dane Dane Dad Bod Reynolds in his most recent clip that dropped the day after was all it took to realize how unsatisfied I felt by the pool experience. I would have been better off watching the Dane movie on repeat instead of wasting hours of my life on the pool party. I do take some twisted pleasure in the fact that the pros surfed uh that the pro surfed all day and only caught a handful of waves seems like a karmic revenge for the thousands of waves those bastards had back paddled burned and hassled for at spots around the world surfing one foot slop at my local the day after the pool ended a bro and i were talking about uh what would make it better and we both agreed that if it were triple the size that would be the fix and then I realized how perverse that sounded, a kind of obscene logic. It seemed akin to some 1985 idea in, porn, in the porn world that since big fake boobs seemed to excite audiences huddled around their VHS players late at night, then really, really giant fake boobs were what everyone really wanted the pool is as unsatisfying as porn making the windy whoppers of surf surf pools will not fix what is missing the ocean end quote.
0: So true. He coldly nailed it. I mean, uh, it's hard to even comment on it because there's nothing more to be said almost. It's just, he, he totally
1: nailed it. Is Wendy Whompers an actual porn actress? You don't know Wendy Wampers? Is it really? <laughs>
0: no, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> it better be. It is now. If
1: it's not, <laughs> Fat Aki's even funnier than I thought. I mean, if it, yeah. Yeah. It's funny.
0: His email got me thinking what, think about this. Okay. When was the last time you were truly excited after a contest?
1: pipeline last year
0: i'm gonna to suggest to you for me it was brazil brazil because we had some we had some kind of crappy waves in um the aussie leg right got canceled and then you know there was like a couple uh, uluwatu event or something kind of promise my point is is that brazil was like all of a sudden we're like holy shit look it's pumping it's kind of pumping and it's exciting and it's it's everything that Fat hockey touches on. It was it,
1: mixed up. It, it was, was challenging. Mi- yes, there so was, was
0: challenging. There was airs. There was tubes. There, yeah. were, there was drama. You didn't know what was going to happen when it was going to happen. Just, I remember being satisfied, satiated, if you will, after the Brazil event, and and I had to think about it, you know, and I was like, why? Why is that, David? What is it about that?
1: And it's because of the waves. The waves are the stars. Yeah, but that wave is a star, right? I mean, the way the pool generates a perfect wave that we would call the star if it were a snapper. But it's like a porn star. It's like it's un it's like,
0: yeah, it looks great under your arm, but you know, when it comes time to pay the bill, you're kinda like, Oh, you know what, I should have just dated the fat chick. (laughs)
1: back to this analogy this was listeners favorite analogy was <laughs> it i haven't i haven't heard any of the drama you got to read the, the Oh my god! <laughs> so
0: are people just bashing the shit out of bath they
1: weren't thrilled with that analogy
0: oh i'm sorry it um, doesn't what? matter
1: so <laughs> stick with it it's it makes for good pod and, uh, hey i'm not perfect so <laughs> apparently here here was my realization after spending four days in the dust bowl um the central tenet of all of surfing up until September 2018, and I would also argue of surf competition, has been man or woman versus nature. That's the central premise of all of it. Even in competition, when there's two people in a heat together, it's really that person against Mother Nature. And who, primarily, that's the yeah. primary focus. Yeah. That's the central tenet. And so, who can wrangle Mother Nature best? The secondary focus is doing it better than your opponent. Right. But there's the doing it better than your opponent would not matter at all if you weren't trying to uh, you know not even impose it. your will on mother nature to try to find where the way which set wave is going to be the best, right. how to outposition, how to be in the right spot. For you know, all that's that is what the central tenet is. Right. And so I did not realize that going into the pool event, but after four days, it was clear as day to me that no world tour event should be in a pool because it undermines the central tenet of all of surfing from all time. You know. Yeah. So okay, I'm fine with the pool. I'm fine with us doing a contest in the pool. It should not be the WSL's World Championship Tour event, is what I'm suggesting.
0: I think you're on something. I think a lot of people feel that way. I know some of the competitors, they might not say it outwardly, but some of the, you know, um, discourse that I heard behind the scenes was that there was pro surfers in that event that weren't pleased with it, that many of them felt like, look, well, let's just narrow it down to the top eight guys. Cause we know who they're going to be because I think it was Jordy Smith who may have said, look, I'm too big for the tube. And you know, they're, can I really compete at 6'2", 200 pounds against 5'9", 130 pounds? No. Not really.
1: Well, Gabe's pretty big. Yeah. But you're yeah. right. And So and so that I think that the pool has relevance. I think that we should have pool events. Well, I'm okay they with the pool a, if they have over. an event at Mavericks. That's my thing. Like, no, to me, no, that no. equals it out. That, well, that's like the, the great I, equalizer. I disagree. I think the Mavericks thing is still relevant, but the pool should yeah. be a novelty and a specialty yeah, event that exists right. on its own. You're right. Because... Or an entire pool too. Yes, I'm fine with that too. I just think that again, ignoring that central tenet that's always existed in surfing—that is of what surfing, human is. versus nature—in many ways, that's what you and I can relate to when we watch a contest.
0: Experiment. We go, "Hey, I do that every day. I have to go out there and find that one wave, and if I do, I do." And my bro gives me a high five, and guys on the stairs are still, you know. And
1: so it helps. There's some relevance, and I'm totally okay with the pools becoming a new version of surfing and a different version of surfing. But there's trying to meld the two is a forced fit. And it's also, here's what's actually a little bit more egregious to me, and I don't know, um, that I get indignant about, is that this is the unique element of our sport. This one thing that I'm talking about makes it different than skateboarding or snowboarding or anything else. And it is actually what we should hang all of our our value on. You know, like this is the one thing. We're out there contending with sharks. We're contending with the unknown. And that is what we should, all of the value of everything that we discuss and center the focus, like that is what we have. Do not abandon it. Do not ignore it. Don't overlook it. That is what we
0: have. Yeah, no, embrace it, lift it up. Yeah. And so then that kind of leads us to, okay, if that's the central tenant, we all agree with it, you nailed it, right? We've crystallized it. What does that tell us? Well, let's go find those waves exactly. that provide that. And so the waves are the stars. For instance, they could have had an insane WCT event at Puerto Escondido the last three weeks, probably today even, it's pumping down there. Like to not have an event in September at Puerto Escondido for the top surfers in the world is to me a Travisham mockery
1: yeah i disagree. boom drop the mic I totally agree when you're hiring for a small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role and there's no faster or effective way than through linkedin jobs your time and capital are precious and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply totally agree
0: dude i'm reading some of these some of these comments on surf splendor about the javier podcast it's pretty funny what did somebody say this one guy totally nailed it he goes he's saying hey it's a great listening podcast those scott bass is inescapably so well scott bass all asking how to pronounce Horkaya, then immediately saying it incorrectly reverting to the way he was pronouncing it before it was just explained to him by his guest (laughs) you are right and i apologize and um maybe that's some of the crusty charm i don't know i'm just i'm just as god made me
1: it is charming that's funny (laughs) um what are your thoughts on i mean obviously
0: yeah. Last time so, I saw
1: you was at Surf Ranch. Um, how was your experience there? I, only I had saw a great you time.
0: time. I was blown away on a few different levels. One was, I'm guessing there was 10,000 people you or more. You think so? How many do you think? I how many did less. they say?
1: I don't know. I don't know the numbers. I was removed from the crowd a lot of the time. I was hiding out. Um, Vi- to VIP
0: Impress was free. So everyone non-VIP, although there was VIPs that I talked to that paid. So anyway, I think there was... How That's many, did, what you, let's just say there were 7,000. Okay. Let's say there was between five and 10. Let's say there were 7,000 at a hundred bucks a pop, 700 grand. Did I do the
1: math right? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm terrible. I'm here. going to the
0: calculator.
1: Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't think there was that many people. I'm terrible at guessing. Um, 700,000 people, but
0: $700,000. And then was
1: that just on one day? Or
0: you're was saying
1: 7000 were there on that day.
0: That was that's I think there were 7000 people there on that day.
1: So the 700k was just for a Let's say day. it
0: was let's say it was 5000 500 grand in revenue immediately. Then there's food and beverage and merch and I don't know whatever. And that's just sort of rounding it up like cuz people paid for a VIP package which was more than 100 mm-hmm. bucks to see uh at tsol or blink or whoever i forget who it was social d oh yeah social distortion so anyway from a fiscal standpoint it seemed like they hit a home run but maybe not because that i mean 500 grand for a day how much you think it costs to run the whole thing for a day labor and everything i, have no I bet it's 200 grand let's just so they made 300 grand that's pretty killer so i was looking at it from that perspective and of course my numbers are probably way off they probably have higher margins than i realize i mean not profit margins but higher expense mar- like they probably have a lot of expenses but the other thing that i noticed was how much fun it was to hang out with people like i met people i met everyone i met was happy joyous excited to be there and as I, as i was i engrossed by the spectacle taking it all in a new moment in surf history um and so I had great conversations with people that I hadn't never met before that, that became, you know, it was just fun to talk to people, you know, to get their insight on it. And I met a guy who flew in from Humboldt County on his private plane and, you know, just fascinating, all the different people. How did you meet these people? I was sitting in their chair and they came up and said, hey, you're sitting in my chair. And I said, oh. I'm sorry.
1: Can I catch a lift with you back on your plane, too? <laughs> we just started talking. Um, yeah, I agree with you. That was... I. I think we've talked about this on the show. If left to my own default, I will stay away from other people. I'll stay home. I'll try to have little social interaction. But whenever I force myself to do it, that is exactly what I enjoy. I actually enjoy connecting with people. And um, that was a big highlight for me. And what was cool too is like a lot of these people I've never actually met before, but I know them on the internet. Like Nick Carroll, I had never met before, but... I introduce myself and he's like, Oh my gosh, dude, I listen to the show and like how, and it's, you automatically already know them, you know? Yeah. And I had that experience with listeners too. And they go, Hey, is it weird? Like when a listener um, approaches you, it's like, no, it's not weird at all because I f- just like you feel like, you know, me, I feel like I know you, even if we haven't interacted through email or whatever, like we have this very common thing that is the focus of our lives and that we see eye to eye on. And so, we're hit the ground running, you know, and it's just like, hey, what'd you think of Jordy's wave? Oh, my gosh, that wave was terrible. He's riding a board that was too small. Like, all, you know, we go straight into it. So I I really enjoy it. It's an extended kind of family experience, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was stoked that they opened up the, the other side for so people smart. to swim in. That was super smart. I'm sure that was Bob Hurley going, hey, what the hell's this pool doing over here? Let's open this thing up. So we had this Hurley swimming area, which I wish I would have brought my bathing suit. It wasn't as hot as I thought it was going to be. There was a breeze blowing through there. There was plenty of shade. I was never like terminally hot. No, you know,
1: I felt fine throughout the whole thing. Yeah, um, it was like night, right under a hundred degrees, by the way. For listening. and how
0: was your podcast? You you did oh a special gosh, podcast.
1: It was good. Was it good? It Turned out great. I mean, I think it turned out great. It turned out. Um, as good as I had hoped. I was a little apprehensive about it because, so the WSL or Prodan at the WSL emailed us and he was like, hey, um, would you guys be interested in going? And I was like, 100%, I'd love to be a part of the spectacle. And he even said like, do you want to do a podcast there? And I was like, yes. And so I just thought about it. I'm like, I would love to see kind of a behind the scenes thing. I listen to a lot of This American Life and various shows on NPR where it's a man on the street or a woman on the street with a field recorder, just interviewing people behind the scenes. And I've always enjoyed that, you know, whether it's a Trump rally or whatever it is, a film festival, it's like that is always kind of the most humanizing version of whatever the media is that comes out about that thing. And so I was like, and nobody's doing it in surfing. So I was like, that's a unique niche that I would love to fill. And I feel like I have the skill set to fill it. So um, that's when I reached out to Hurley. And I was like, hey, I know you guys are sponsoring this, and I'm going to be there for four days. Would you be interested in supporting this and getting product for fans and all that sort of stuff? And they were like, immediately, they're like, yes, 100% we're in. So they helped with access and that sort of stuff. And going into it, though, I'd never done it before. So I was worried about the workload and also the workflow. Like, how do you edit on the fly and then publish that night and then prep for the next day and all of that? And ultimately, I think it turned out really, really well, and um I was able to like engage with fans in the day of and then incorporate that into the following show, which I think is just fun, you know, because fans don't get that type of engagement in other platforms. so I also met people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, like the kid who lived on Surf Ranch and stuff like that. It gave me purpose to actually go engage with those people that
0: particular interview was probably the um did they put that on beach grit? yeah. Yeah, that was deserving of like more, totally. like, like getting it out there on another platform.
1: So one thing I forgot to ask that kid was, now that you've learned how to surf, do you follow surf media? Are you reading mags? Do you have a favorite surfer? All that stuff. And then I saw him the next day. And so I flagged him down and I was like, dude, I've been curious about this. And he's like, no, he's like, I, I saw the story on Beach because a friend sent it to me, but I don't really know what Beach Grit is. I and mean, I don't follow surfing. Like, I don't have a favorite surfer. Like, he sees all wow, these people.
0: Wow, he's a renaissance surfer. I love this guy. He, he
1: he sees all these people come through his pool and he's friends with Kelly Slater. Yeah. But, and he watches them all surf, but he doesn't then go, he doesn't subscribe to him. He's engaged in the
0: culture at all.
1: Not yet. He's fascinating. Does right?
0: he wear like cut off blue jeans when he's surfing? That would be killer. That, he's got to keep this mojo going. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see him in Hurleys. I want to see him in. He wasn't like wearing said, any surf gear, like a like a wife beater and cut off Levi's jean denim. You know, that's what he wears when he surfs.
1: I think that your like um, a
0: shower cap.
1: Yeah, I think your stereotype of the average Lamore <laughs> resident is already off. <laughs> Who really? wears cut off Levi's, dude? <laughs> this guy. What's his name? <laughs> I forget. Spencer, I think.
0: Oh, Spencer! Come on, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: where would you even see cut off Levi's here? I mean, you need West shorts Hollywood. to go in this.
0: No. Okay, cut off Wranglers. <laughs> my point is you got to go in the water with shorts on, so I better cut my jeans.
1: Yeah. I think he has board shorts probably. Oh, that's too bad. But um, anyways, yeah, it was a good experience for me. I got an email from another listener, uh, Craig G., longtime listener, and uh, gives lot, sends emails periodically. He says, It was entitled Unintended Consequence. And he said, quote, in an effort to save competitive surfing by incorporating wave pool events, the wave pool will destroy it. Imagine this. People who watch the surf ranch event are now getting used to and starting to expect marginal entertainment every five minutes. Now factor in the diminishing marginal returns of watching the same wave, the same surfer for two, three or four more surf ranch events beyond boring, boring beyond belief. Add in select ocean events where the waves are slow and or crappy. My prediction, people will just tune out and not even bother to tune in. And then boom, the WSL is no longer. Out of the ashes of the WSL comes this. Specialty events where the waves are the stars.
0: See, he knows. People know. People know. This isn't um, some like, you know, sometimes you just got to like, clean the windshield wipe the windshield a little bit and to get some clarity and everyone knows that the waves are the stars i was even thinking you know who doesn't get this wrong who ne- who very rarely gets this wrong is tv executives right so think back to abc wild world of sports or nbc sports in 1978 they're like oh my god big waves hey we've got this opportunity they've got this thing called the pipeline masters Oh, there's big waves? How big are the waves? It's gnarly. It's sort of this dredging, gnarly reef. People eat shit. It's, it's good viewing, believe me. You're going to see guys eating, you know. So the TV execs are like, done. That's a, f- I know we're going to get viewers. And it's because the waves are the stars. Nobody came to him and went, hey, there's this guy, Jerry Lopez. We should really follow this guy and excavate a story about him because he's, you know, he's just going to drive viewership through the roof. You know, they're like, no, it's eight to 10 feet. People might die. Let's do this. Yeah.
1: And yeah. that's back in 78. So they knew it back
0: then. Let's not screw with the concept. So
1: as I think about that, I don't think it's unique to TV execs. I think the element there is they're non-surfers. And we've seen this happen in the past. Whenever a non-surfer writes about surfing, that's the best thing we've seen on surfing in a long time. Whenever there's a filmmaker who aims their camera at surfing, but their craft is filmmaking, that becomes the best surf film that, we have, that we'd haven't that we seen. So... A journalist who writes a story about Andy Irons who doesn't have any background in surfing, that's the most interesting story, you know? So I think that might be the key because that is the true, they're the ones, that's the litmus test for what is compelling about this thing that we do. You and I are too bogged down in the minutiae under the microscope to really see what the most compelling element is. Um, by the way, how great is the masters competition in the azores right now. Have you been following any of it? I've been
0: watching it. I don't know if great. I'm it's very interesting and
1: I think it's refreshing. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what's good about it is the broadcasters, the commentators. Yeah. Especially the guy in the beach, Chris Bins, yeah. is it? He's pretty good. Yeah. He he was I saw him interview Tom Curran today. I don't know if you saw that. No. It was really really good. Um I saw him interview Luke Egan. Part of it is that because these guys, their guard is down. They're mm-hmm. very open and sincere. They have nothing to lose, nor do they have anything to gain from just. They like, got
1: something to gain. Well, this is bragging rights. This is maybe the no, final I mean, bragging rights.
0: No, no, I mean in these interviews, these post Oh, right, right, right. Like right. so that the interviews are really good. The mm-hmm. post team interviews are really good.
1: Well, if feels- but the
0: surfing makes me feel old. Like the surfing isn't that great. The surfing is not that great. I like the waves see- are crappy kind of too.
1: I like seeing those guys though. I like there's an, a nostalgia element that's fun. I agree. I totally agree. That's really the only
0: reason I stay tuned in. Yeah, because the waves were kind of soft and not that great.
1: Yeah. The um one thing that I enjoy about it too is all these old guys getting together again. Like if you're following reunion. them on Instagram, they're having a blast having yeah. dinners together and cracking jokes and like telling stories from the past. It's actually, I've really, really enjoyed it. I don't think, obviously it's not the highlight of competitive surfing of the year, but I'm glad that they're doing it. You know? I'm So my to question to you is
0: who do you think wants to win and who do you think is just stoked to be there for the reunion?
1: I think Glenn Wenton wants to win. Uh, I think... Who oh, else? no. Who's going to win? I'll tell now, you right who do you think? Who Shake do you think... Jake Patterson. Is, yeah, I would Shake agree. Jake Patterson. So
0: there are guys that are literally there to like win. And then there's guys that are like, God, I'm stoked they flew me here. I'm having a free vacation. Totally. And so can you tell the difference?
1: Jake Patterson is dropping eights in every heat. Yeah. And he's on... He well, travels. He's a coach. He I mean, travels on tour. If he, he doesn't tour.
0: win, it would be a Travis mockery.
1: He travels on tour right now with Kanoa and yeah. Griffin and some of the top competitors his whole life is about this. He is an animal. And he's always been an animal. That's where yeah. his name comes from, you know? So he's definitely... And he's smoked everything. Did you heat see his
0: post-heat interview? No. So his post-heat interview was immediately... He was like, I tell my guys all the time, don't catch a bunch of waves when you have got priority. Just sit on the guy no matter what. And, of course, I went out in my heat and didn't do that. So I'm telling my guys right now, and he looks at the camera, and he's like, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> you know? And so that ultimate, speaks to what you're saying. It's
1: the ultimate... I mean, like, that is so true. It's so hard. When I try to improve my own surfing prowess, rarely am I able to execute it once I get back in the water. You know, I could watch all of the Tom Kern footage I want, but once I get back in the water, old habits are hard to to kill off. Um, Speaking of wave pools, again, yet again, Stab High is happening this weekend at BSR Cable Park in Waco, Texas. They're doing an air event. Um, Firstly... It's $9 to view online. Wow. So they are charging to view the event live. They will have a recap of it for free, but I don't know how long that'll take to be published. So my question to you, Scott Bass is, would you be willing to pay $9 to watch the air show? No. Why not?
0: Because I'd, I'll watch the recap for fr- for free.
1: Okay. So you do want to see it. You're interested in the event, but not interested. in. I one. mean, my
0: feeling after, after, um, The Kelly Slater Wave Ranch thing. My feeling is much like you just explained. Like, I'm not that intrigued by wave pool competition, you know? I'm really not. I would much rather see an insane air in the real ocean with a real wave and a real moment of need. Trying to
1: find that section. Rather
0: than an – this is basically an expression session. Who can boost it high enough? I would much rather watch, like, Danny Way on the frigging mega ramp you know like just go you know when those guys like bob burnquist when they just go 40 48 feet in the air or whatever it is that's
1: insane like if you're going to do airs, let's just do airs. you know like that's incredible now i don't follow skating but i have a feeling those are wildly outdated analogies they probably are, <laughs> are those guys even skating anymore
0: <laughs> those are the only men that'll actually skate on it. i mean no, I, know, right. I know those names but yeah. i'm just not sure no not. you're right they're fifty, <laughs> but. but but I, I mean, I'm not against this at all, but I'm not intrigued by it. You're I'm kind of, And I'm not going to pay nine bucks to watch it. So here was my... Um, by the way, it's a hundred bucks to get in. I, I looked to, at buying tickets if you go there live. Oh, really? Wait, maybe it's more than that. They sent the thing out this morning to buy tickets. I want to say it was... Anyway, you can go there live and watch it. So... And they do the, have music.
1: The point of friction for me was not the price tag. It was... If I commit to that nine bucks, minor, uh, I now have to spend a Saturday afternoon in front of the computer,
0: Oh yeah, which I don't
1: want to do. So it was kind of like, well, I'm willing to give you guys the nine bucks, but I'd rather just come home Sunday morning and recap it. And if you're going to give me the recap for free, then I don't think there's a reason for me to pay the live price. You know what I mean? Now, if I happen to be home doing laundry or cleaning or something, then I'll pay it and turn it on. But I'm not going to organize my week around this event.
0: Right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah.
1: But I, I like Stab for number one, doing the event, and number two for I do too. charging for it.
0: I would say that Stab, and I wonder if Ashton is the reason behind this, but in my opinion, Stab's really upped their game in the last year. I see all the stuff they're doing, like they're he's got other stuff in the pipeline. Like Ashton's kind of like man on fire
1: right now, in my opinion. Well they've in that last year, they've also eliminated the print publication good so that i think allows them to kind of allocate attention and resource towards digital which is smart they've always been great at the high concept stuff yeah um and i agree with you this they or sam's wrote a missive on um, the website explaining why they need to charge and he basically said this was their biggest gamble they've ever he's like i think he said it was going to cost them half a million bucks or something not only to rent out the facility but they're flying all the surfers in from around the world like they're paying all the yeah traveling expenses and uh, well hey i
0: i mean I, i'm more than willing to give them 10 bucks like if they had a gofundme page i just throw them 10 bucks just because because they're trying that's what they deserve say. they deserve the you know they're they're going they've got the moxie to try it i agree
1: know? i agree and i also think that you're so the potential of getting negative feedback from the internet nowadays is threatening. Yeah. Like I could see them being apprehensive to charge what they need to charge because they're afraid that people will resist it and then revolt and never go visit stabmag.com again. So I was glad to see that they pushed past that because guess well, what? You know, who
0: should pay him is the WSL WSL should give him like 10 grand just as a test case to see how this thing goes. Cause if they get people buying the WSL is going to be pushing that button soon.
1: Yeah, in terms of the pay per view. Pay per view, yeah. Um, by the way, this is
0: the ultimate. This is our chance to see if we can do pay per view surfing contests. They're going to
1: do it anyway, so no need to give them the ten grand.
0: Oh, are they? Oh, okay.
1: i mean, no. I mean, stab is going to do it, whether WSL. Gives no, them the 10. I
0: know, but my point is, is like th- this is market research for the WSL through the roof, and mar- and it would be cool in a perfect world where everyone was thoughtful if they went, hey, here's we're going to give you five grand
1: or whatever, you know, just why not underwrite I mean, it. A little bit. Um, so, well, the WSL is doing an air show as well in France this year during the CT that. event. Yeah. It's a Red Bull event. Um, Josh Kerr is kind of the uh, commissioner, so to speak, for that event. So that'll be interesting, too. And to give you what you just said, which is now you have to navigate the ocean to find the section. So when I surfed um, Waco, I think we talked about this in our last show a little bit. What We... Had a twenty minutes of the air section wave, and I mean, did you Shane, do an air?
0: Did you do an air? No, that's a no. Just the space least, between the answer, I can tell. Don't.
1: I didn't I, think I, no, I did an air. Don't error. justify. I did not think I did an air. And <laughs> a listener didn't. sent me
0: a photograph. The
1: actual photo grab from Surfline. We need to see this. There's daylight in between the board and the wa- and the water.
0: One credit card or two credit cards.
1: A fit, wallet, maybe a, a full, wallet. well, a thin wallet.
0: That's more air than I've ever done.
1: So check this out. I mean, this is a great story, by the way. It highlights the amazing era that we're living in. I talked about it on air. Okay, I got back on whatever day. I mean, within two days, maybe the very next day, I was recording with Chaz on a weekend because it was the only time we can get together with a busy <laughs> schedule. So we're, I get back Saturday, we're recording on a Sunday. Published that afternoon. Two hours later, I get a direct message from a guy in England who's like, I heard you guys talking about it. I pulled my car over to the side of the road. I pulled up the Surfline app, went to that day and time, started watching the footage. I found the air that you were talking about, screenshotted it. Here it is for you. Let me
0: see this thing. Show this to me now. Oh, it's in
1: the comments section, actually. I'll, I'll show you in a minute. I don't want to distract okay. myself by searching. On grit? Grit. On The Grit, the most recent episode of The Grit, go down to the comments section. Um, by the way, how do you like the new website?
0: It looks good, but why do I get last billing? You don't get last billing. It looks like I'm getting last billing. Get out of here, dude. Let me see.
1: Um, it goes by... Okay, so
0: the last the September 2?
1: Mm, yeah, has to be. Um, so what I was explaining on air was like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, no, I'm not even looking at that. I'm looking at I'm looking at the 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 back backward fin bath um, billboard billboard. Had Thank you, you. not Seen that? I had heard about it. It's so good, dude. How good is backward? Oh, by the way, I had a pretty in depth phone conversation with somebody who no longer resides, who no who no longer works at um, for the WSL. Okay. And I got some. Wait, I'm trying to find this picture.
1: Is that you? <laughs> It's really uh, pixelated. There's daylight between the board and the water. Tell me. Yeah. So, dude, here's what happened. Yeah. I was, I mean, Shane says, Shane Magnuson, he's like, just get up and pump as fast as you can towards the wall. And the section will present itself and just go straight into it. So, what I did, I did everything correct. I just didn't get out of the water. (laughs) That was the problem. It looks like there might be a fin touching touching dang you just ruined no 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 look
0: so i'm not trying to nitpick that'd be nitpicking right? but i
1: landed you know it's like i i got the feel and i landed and i was like shocked that i landed but i knew i didn't get out of the water and even when i paddled out everybody else was like dude you actually pulled it and i'm like i know but i didn't get in the air and they're like it's all good you like did the right body motion you know and so the photo shows more than what i thought like i didn't think i even got close to getting out of the water um but I've done airs in the ocean. It's just been a decade. That's
0: that's an air.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. That is an air. Anyways, what did you learn about backward Finbeth?
0: I just learned that the whole culture at the WSL is kind of... I'll I'll just summarize my conversation because I promised this guy I wouldn't divulge too much because he's a a good friend and a good source. You've already said too much. They can triangulate that information. (laughs) But he basically said that there's just not enough salt and there's too much corporation up there. There just aren't enough people that know the surf culture. And so the people that do know the surf culture end up having to run um, contingency and run damage control on all the shit that the non-surf culture people you know, create. And Backwards Finn Beth is a great example of that. And there's other examples where people that are like global level strategists are literally like on the ground showing the guys how to run the cables through this person's house at Chopu to get it like doing granular shit that a that an intern should be doing, but the you know the global VP of whatever is doing it because nobody else knows how to do it. Right. So there's just not as is the case with a lot of surf industry companies that that go by the wayside. They're when there's not the right equilibrium of of salty surfers and mba data-driven guys in the room it, it gets askew and it can get askew the other way too you know you of can course
1: get, i mean we've seen that a million times where people just don't yeah. have any business acumen at all don't run accounting for their business and you know right. they have all the popularity in the world in terms of surf cachet but can't run their business so i couldn't agree more
0: it seems like i'm, I'm gonna throw this out there it seems like it would be wise for the head of the company to be a surfer because when you look at it look at it like this Bob Hurley fuck excuse my French I'll put some money in the cuss jar sorry about that Bob Hurley f- hardcore surfer and and
1: surfboard shaper and everything flows down
0: positive yeah. from that um, Bob McKnight yeah. back in the day I know he's no longer with, really involved with Quicksilver, but head guy surfer with some business acumen and everything flowed wonderfully from there Um, Claw. Volcom claw um richard um wolcott right claw at rip curl i mean so we we can see that this works we can also see like when op was purchased by whoever warren co or something and some new york fashion guy took it over and surfers didn't care about it anymore and eventually it's it's some you know distribution wholesale distribution outlet so point is i think the ceo should be a hardcore surfer because then all of us can look to that person and whether it's rabbit Bartholomew or whoever it is, even if it's Graham Stapleberg who is a hardcore surfer. Yeah. These types need to be the one that we all look to and go, what next? Right. Because when we look to a non-surfer and go, what next? We sort of say it like, don't worry. We already know the answer to that.
1: I think it all hinges on what we were discussing with the wave pool dilemma, which is to ignore the fact that the central tenant is, human versus nature. Now you threw the baby out with the bathwater. Now nobody's going to care. You're going to lose the plot entirely. Every step forward without that loses the plot entirely. And if you're hinging your business on capturing the non-surfer in middle America to grow the audience, then you're never going to capture them because now we're no different than every other board sport that's out there. You know? So, You've now made it similar to all of your competition. What
0: would you rather watch? Snowboarding, surfing, skateboarding, or motocross? You know what I mean? That's basically. Or bowling. Yeah, I know. All, that's to what I am I agree. That's what I was saying.
1: So, no, no, no. You guys are forgetting the fact that we are unique from all that. And we could be, we could trump all of those things. We want the same goal as you. We want to capture that middle America audience. The way that you do it is by focusing on the human versus nature thing. So, um,
0: central tenant human versus nature how do we grasp that we follow the purple blob and we
1: don't cancel we have a we have
0: a trimmed down hell no you add sharks you don't trim down i mean you do trim down the production budget and you go in there with a couple of cameras whatever it is you do it lean and mean less surfers you do it tight and you bang it out
1: yeah I agree. And, and I, you
0: pay-per-view it over the internet. You can't look at it like, I've got to have TV or I'm, I'm not a real sport, which is what I sense. They're like, if we don't get mainstream TV, then...
1: I think there's a million new ways to redefine the business. I agree with you. You don't need TV. Like, Look at the way that Netflix has completely not only disrupted video rental but disrupted the Hollywood studio system now like you're they're manuf- they're making <clears throat> branded content that now a quality filmmakers would rather have their production done through Netflix than go to theaters because nobody goes to theaters anymore.
0: Is there a must watch show on ABC? Like when was the last time you went to ABC? Is there a must watch show on CBS? No. There probably is. Yeah. I would record record Colbert and I'll record 60 minutes. I'm thinking about things you would record. Colbert is in CBS. Yeah, he is. Colbert late. Is he? Late night. Oh, you're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Took over Letterman. You're right. (laughs) NBC. Must watch TV? No. You might say Saturday Night Live, but I don't record that. I'm thinking about things. But what do I record? Tons of Netflix, tons of Showtime, tons of HBO. Like, you're right.
1: The numbers are in, dude. Like, yeah. that is happening. I mean, all you got to do
0: is look at the Grammys. The Grammys are just dominated by those those companies.
1: So the WSL, and I'm, I'm certain they are taking cues from the modern world, but the point is, redefine the wheel. At this point, like anything is available, redefine it. Charge people the 10 bucks a month that Netflix charges. Whatever like redefine it because there's never been a better time to be a creator or an artist or whatever. Like the world is at your fingertips. The audience can directly engage with you. We don't have to go through a middleman, you know. So, I think it's it's a really prime time. I think that A lot of the brass, you know, they've never had more qualified executives in the surf, whether it was the ASP or whatever. Like, we've never had more qualifying professional executives. So that's great, qualified. Um, Now, it's just really massaging to make sure that the um, ethos is a surfing ethos. And that's not because... That comes from the top. It does. And that's not because I am a core surfer and I want it to cater to me. I'm saying this objectively as this is the most compelling, keeping this ethos is the most compelling portion of what we do that will engage the largest number of people. We've never had a platform grand enough to engage that middle America. You guys are helping define the platform, but along the way, do not forget the ethos.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny, Elon Musk, and we were talking about him. And you probably have heard this, too, but, you know, he'll tell you right up that we are not a car company or a technology company. Cars are one of the technologies that we use. And that's the kind of outside-the-box thinking that you're discussing. That's that's what the WSL needs. The WSL needs to go, you know what, are we a surfing competition company or are we a... Man versus Nature Company, or you know, I don't know, like, right. but, you know, but there needs to be some whiteboarding. They need to throw some shit on the wall and see what sticks, and right. that's the type of thinking that will get them great places. And you I can thank David and Scott later.
1: I think it was smart to bring in these executives from UFC and WNBA and I, all that, especially sort of stuff. in sales.
0: Like, if these people have relationships with non-endemics, by all means, bring them in. But we have to have salt at the top.
1: That's the problem. It's like smart that they're qualified in that way.
0: They can't be making. Massive decisions on surf related stuff. And the wave pool, look, I hope I'm, I don't care if I'm right or I'm wrong. Like, I'm not here throwing my ego on this statement going, you'll see in 10 years, you'll go, that guy was right. And David and I, David, I think I can speak for you when we say, look, we want the WSL to succeed. We're suggesting to you from our vantage right now, we don't think it's going to if you focus on wave pools. Now, I'm not, I know there's a revenue stream there, and I want you to make money on the revenue stream. I don't know what it is. That's for you guys to figure out. But well, that's it's
1: reinventing com- the wheel that I'm talking com-
0: competitively, about. Competitively, yeah. though, if the WSL is going to be the governing body of the sport, it needs to focus on the central tenant.
1: And I think I'm not vilifying the wave pool. I see tremendous value in the wave pool. I'm not either. I love the, the thing. And I think that when I'm saying you need to reinvent the wheel and really consider alternative options— the wave pool is a huge part of that business and there's a great way to position that and to utilize it and to sell it and all of those things but don't confuse it with a world tour stop that's a different thing right so i think that yeah i love the wave pool keep it as the as part of the business so well
0: we've we chewed that thing to death um what a
1: podcast is for (laughs) <laughs> what do you got Downtime. <laughs> well i mean i uh, got buster, my but it looks like you have something I've Yeah, got, i've got We a duke. talked about it all i've got a duke too well we're right i up have the duke.
0: isa aloha cup and i realized i don't
1: really want to talk about well that. we're right up on your yeah my break time we yeah. have four minutes
0: um okay Duke, my duke is jamie brissick did you see him get interviewed today on the azores what was that thing called azores airlines masters world masters championship I didn't see it. Anyway, it was cool because Brissett kind of talked about him getting to be a surf fan again now that he's you know because he's these are his contemporaries. Just as you know, he surfed on tour with a lot of these guys, but he gets to go there now as a writer or a surf journalist for Surfline or whatever, and look at it as from a surf fan's vantage rather than I've got to go here and win and throw my ego around and blah blah blah. And so he gave a really cool kind of honest, sincere take on on how much fun it is to be. A surf fan and a surf groupie again, which is totally cool because cause that's the, cause it was honest and it was sincere. And you could tell that I was like, yeah, Jamie high fiving across the screen.
1: I love Brisick. Um, I thought he was there competing. He's not. No. Uh, too bad.
0: Was, apparently, he's happy to be right where he's at, where yeah. there's no drama and he just gets to have a reunion with all his bros.
1: Yeah. And wax um, poetic. It was his birthday, too, like two days ago. I don't know. So, definite Duke. What's funny is my Duke is also from that same event. Um, Shane Horan. Dude. Okay. uh, Do you follow his Instagram?
0: I'm a big fan.
1: It is the greatest Instagram account. Better than Napkin Apocalypse? (laughs) Way better, dude. I stopped following Napkin like three years ago. I love Napkin. I know. I'm the only one who doesn't. Here's the
0: thing. Like just the other day, she posted this picture with like, vomit and shit all over her shirt and she's staring into the mirror with her phone and she just looks fucking miserable and sure thing is I need a vacation like I sometimes sense that that's how she communicates with Dane like like they don't communicate except through Instagram
1: <laughs> that is genius I um, I might like her more now or her Instagram account more now that they're raising kids together I might find some um, something charming in that or redeeming or whatever anyway Shane Haran, dude. I don't know. Do you know him at all? Have you spent yeah. time with him? Is
0: no, no, he? Is I he I've met him. I don't know him.
1: I'm wondering if he is. Um, does he have a screw loose?
0: He's no, but he's he's um, fun loving. Um, what's what's what are some of the cliche phrases? Um, he's carefree. He's sort of mystical. He's, um, you know, he he's like a Grateful Dead fan that surfs. You know okay. what I mean? He's kind I of left. He's that. left of Dave Rostovich, Let's <laughs> put that. Way. Okay,
1: I could see all of that. He's goofy, as all get out. Like, yeah. so I can't figure out. He's
0: his- smart, very intelligent. Is he? Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. I'm like, is a screw loose, or is he just sincerely doesn't give a crap about presentation or about flubs or goofiness or any of that? But it's so charming and it's so entertaining and I absolutely love it.
0: The question is, are you the one with the screw loose because yes. you do care about this? I,
1: I completely would edit any of that going out because I do care right. and I recognize that as a short And how can you explain your haircut? Uh, like you said earlier, it's what <laughs> I was gifted with by nature and there's no... Um, I have no other option. It is what I'm stuck with. So you have to embrace it. But things that I can edit. I try to edit and, uh, you can and, edit I, your haircut. and I think that the, the reality is I think I will grow beyond that. I think I, with <laughs> maturity, won't care as much in the future, but right now I do care. And I love that Shane doesn't, uh, I will post on spitpodcast.com a, uh, video clip of him surfing where he embodies all of what I'm talking about. Just completely, completely having a blast and not caring. So, All right, Scott. Well, Scott's having a coughing fit and needs to vacate the premises, but spitpodcast.com. At Boardroom Show is where you get a hold of him. At Surf Splendor is where you get a hold of me. Do you want to sign off or should I?
0: Yeah, until next time, adios and aloha.